John chapter 20. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulchre. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulchre. And he stooping down, and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulchre, and seeth the linen clothes lying there, and the cloth that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went he also, that other disciple, who came first to the sepulchre, and he saw the saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away unto their own homes. But Mary stood outside of the sepulcher weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him from here, Tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself, and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren, and say unto them, I ascend unto my father, and your father, and to my God, and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord, and that he had spoken these things unto her. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for this account, and for the wonderful message that it is to our hearts, and how that it causes us to be most joyful concerning the Lord Jesus and of the great work of redemption which he accomplished for us, and of your great love, Father, that you sent your only begotten Son into the world to die for the sins of the world. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we come to this passage, of course, it is, again, a very familiar passage to us, but one that we should never become too... um, too used to. We ought to keep a sense of wonder of it. And the, uh, the 
the true import or the importance of it ought to stay very fresh within our minds and hearts as we look at this account once again. But John Gospel comes to a conclusion, of course, here with a proclamation of Jesus' victory over death, followed by this epilogue in chapter 21. And, of course, each Gospel writer stresses certain aspects of the event. John began with a testimony of how he came to personal faith in the, re- in the Lord Jesus Christ, the resurrection considering the evidence found in the open tomb, in the empty tomb. Well, we're going to look at several areas here. First of all, they came early, the first day of the week. We know that that day of the week is uh, the Lord's Day, what we call the Lord's Day. It is um, on a a Sunday, the day after Saturday, which was their Sabbath day. Secondly, uh, the Mary mentioned here runs to find Peter and John. And this Mary, of course, is considered to be Mary Magdalene. And uh, so the first thing she does is to want to run to the disciples and let them know what she has discovered. Thirdly, John arrives first and at the tomb, um, but arriving first, he does not rush right in, but we find him looking in, but he does not rush in. Uh, but Peter, he is that impetuous one, and he, he runs right in, of course, when he gets there. Uh, they did not yet understand what? That Jesus should rise again. This, this uh, very important critical aspect of the gospel message would be impressed upon them. And of course, subsequently, the gospel would be embedded within their hearts and lives. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ becomes the cornerstone of our salvation. And without it, we have no salvation. For we know that the word of God became prophetically fulfilled upon these three elements, that uh, the grace of God might be known unto man, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, and not of works, lest any man should boast. And we find, of course, that the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is woven into the very text throughout the uh, New Testament epistles, And each one of the writers of the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, include their own circumstances surrounding the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And this becomes that core message of the gospel, which we find exposed to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. And uh, it lays upon our hearts because it is that message which tells us truly that Jesus did obtain victory over sin and death. Uh, He didn't just swoon upon the cross and and was buried and somehow in the coolness of of the tomb he revived and woke up and turned into a superman and pushed this great big rock away from the door and escaped to Europe and had a family. Well, let's see, some of the 
some of the fantastic stories that uh, I purported, you know, that somehow he just woke up and, oh, remember upon the cross, the soldier made sure he was dead. He speared him in the side and blood and water came out. And that he was dead to the satisfaction of the soldiers, else they would have broken his legs. But they did not. And the prophecy was fulfilled that not a bone of him should be broken. How marvelous the very word of God that has been given to us and the assurances of faith that we find in it. So I'd like to begin here and go through some of these aspects of the account uh, here in John chapter 20 and verses 1 to 18. And so the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark. And so Mary Magdalene, of course, is, is uh, the one um, for whom Jesus uh, cast out uh, seven demons, I believe it was. She was full of demons. Uh, she was a prostitute. And uh, she was uh, in bondage to Satan as these demons had uh, possessed her, had come into her life to the extent that she was, of course, quite miserable and, and um, was looking for um, redemption. Jesus being revealed to her, he cast out these demons and uh, she forever became a great admirer of the Lord Jesus Christ. We find those who are great sinners are also greatly saved. When they, are, when they are saved, they are greatly saved. And we find that it's a, it's a very important point to recognize that Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalia, as she is later also called, is um, because she was from the city of Magdalia, I believe it was, and so she, she became a very loyal, a very loyal servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. The first day of the week being also Sunday, as we said, and how important that is to us. Um, on the first day of the week is when Jesus uh, resur resurrected. That's when they came to the tomb, very early in the morning. What do we do? But we gather together and have a sunrise service. <laughs> do we not? It is, uh, we take these things directly from the scriptures, and, uh, and it's good to observe the, the elements of these things that we find in the scriptures. Uh, and uh, so we, uh, we find that Mary Magdalene came early that morning, uh, before the sun rose, and when it, was, uh, when it was yet dark, it says, when it was yet dark. It was before the sun even got up. And so uh, we, uh, we do gather together, and, uh, well, I know it's in our younger years, when we were pastoring and attending churches, uh, we did actually get up when it was dark and go to, and wait for the sun to come up. Uh, I know we perhaps have, kind of cut it short a little bit differently. We wait till about 7 o'clock uh, and, uh, and come. But uh, the, the heart of our, of our desire to meet together and to observe the Lord's resurrection is, 
is the real important element here. Uh, but that's when she came. She came when it was yet dark under the sepulcher, and, she, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Now I suppose that she was troubled at this as she came early. And remember Joseph of Arimathea and, and Nicodemus had spices. They, they did do some preparation of the Lord. Uh, because uh, we find that even the account here says that Jesus was wrapped in linen clothing and he did have a certain uh, clothing around his head uh, as uh, was customary to wrap them. But uh, these women came, Mary Magdalene is mentioned here, but there were others that believed that were with her that, uh, that morning as well. And they came to... Um, perhaps hopingly, or, or hoping to find someone to open the tomb that they might go in and prepare the body more adequately because it was done hastily um, for the observance of Sabbath, the Saturday uh, observance. Um, and of course they were not to do any work or anything on the Sabbath and not only that, it was called a high day because it was uh, the Passover week as well. Uh, and uh, so uh, they, the body of Jesus was prepared very quickly and these women came to the sepulcher. And so they come early in the first day of the week. Now I suppose there is much that could be said about rising up early and being with the Lord, isn't there? Um, as to the personal habits of how we pray or what time we study, I know for a great many, perhaps pastors, they rise early and, and do personal study and, uh, and do it so that they might have the rest of the day to do other work and to have some real private time with the Lord. But we find this is a very personal, uh, very personal thing here. And uh, Mary Magdalene and the other Marys came and they did come to the sepulcher and it was their desire to bring devotion to the Lord and also believe to anoint the body of the Lord Jesus. But the stone, the stone was taken away. It was rolled away. It was rolled away. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple. Now, um, I suppose Mary, um, these two men being very close to the Lord. John um, is mentioned by kind of a third person element here. Um, the other disciple, he doesn't mention his name. I find it most interesting that he won't take, he doesn't take a prominent I place. He doesn't say I came, I did this or I did that. Um, he views himself very humbly and, and keeps himself in the background. But uh, we, we believe and, and suspect strongly that this is John, who is personally writing here. And, um, and so uh, she, Mary Magdalene runs to, to Simon Peter, um, and, uh, and of course Peter is a prominent figure here as well, and to, to John, the other disciple, whom Jesus loved and saith unto them, they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. And so immediately there, uh, Mary's fear is that someone, a grave robber, 
a grave robber has, uh, has taken the body of Jesus. Well, remember, they, they uh, did greatly admire the Lord, was loyal to him as their disciples, and they loved the Lord, and uh, they certainly did not want anyone to disturb or desecrate the body of the Lord Jesus. And, uh, and so these fears would have been natural. That is, they, uh, they would have immediately been very um, concerned that someone had disturbed the body of the Lord and had gone in and defiled the grave. Um, and so she runs to Peter and to John, and these uh, being very, very significant part of the, the Twelve, uh, she finds comfort in going to them and immediately relating those things. And no doubt that this same information was begun to, to spread around as well to the other disciples. But she runs and she comes to Simon Peter and to, to John, um, because John is also a beloved disciple of the Lord. And uh, they, she makes her claim. She thinks that they have taken the body of the Lord and she doesn't know where they have laid him. And so Peter becomes greatly aroused at this whole circumstance and, and wants to go and investigate. Uh, Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple, so again Peter and John, uh, and came to the sepulcher. And, uh, but interesting, one outran the other. So they had a little bit of a race here to see who was going to get there first. And uh, evidently John, maybe being a little bit younger, perhaps more agile uh, than Peter, uh, he, he girded up the skirts of his loins and he took off like an Elijah from Mount Carmel and uh, he, beat, uh, he, he beat his brother, uh, that is, uh, is respectively speaking, Peter being um, a brother disciple, uh, he beat him to the tomb. So Peter therefore went forth and the other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together and the other disciple did outrun Peter and first came to the sepulcher. So uh, isn't it interesting that even in this, the comradeship of the, of the discipleship was to, to try to get ahead of the other one <laughs> and uh, to get there first. Um, and so John, uh, John gets to the, t the tomb first, but he does not go in. So John arrives at the tomb, uh, but does not immediately go in. In verse 5, and he's stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. The linen clothes were there. The wrappings that uh, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus had wrapped Jesus in after they had begged the body of Jesus off from Pilate. From Pilate. Uh, they, they brought him to the tomb. They wrapped him and anointed him with spices uh, and, and, uh, and laid him in the tomb. Um, and uh, John, uh, he sees these things and, uh, and he looks and he wonders and, and how much time takes uh, is, is passing here we aren't really told but we can imagine it happened quite quickly because Mary ran to the disciples and then the disciples ran back to the tomb so they, this was, uh, happened fairly quickly then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher so as Peter is that one who is more 
uh, impetuous to do things, he ran into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lying there. He also sees that. And the cloth that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Now all this, um, all this uh, evidential information, um, evidential because the disciples were eyewitnesses. Mary was an eyewitness that the tomb was open. Jesus, though she doesn't say she went in, but she very quickly uh, goes to the disciples. The disciples come back. Uh, John looks in. Peter runs in. And this becomes evidential information that uh, they, first of all, know that Jesus is not there. He's supposed to be there, but he isn't there. And by the time that the disciples make these certain observations, these physical observations, they recognize that the linen clothes are there, the napkin is there that was wrapped about Jesus' head, but Jesus is not there. And so, if, for instance, if a grave robber was going to rob a grave, they probably wouldn't take time to unwrap the body before they took the body out of the grave. They would just simply grab up the body and lug it off, uh, that it might not be found by those who were looking to preserve the body, for whatever reason. And, but yet we find that the, the linen clothes are there, the napkin is there. Um, and so in verse 7, And the cloth that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Now this is called evidential um, uh, the evidential part of the apology or the, the uh, uh, idea of the defending of the scriptures here that Jesus was resurrected. It's evidential. It's, um, but yet there is further proof that needs to come forth. These, uh, an eyewitness account is important, yet different people can have different versions of the eyewitness. And so the, uh, the idea of, the, um, of these facts in themselves was not sufficient. There must be more proof. Um, verse 8, Then went in also the other disciple who came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. Now, now it says in this particular place that uh, this disciple, and this is also believed to be John, who goes in after Peter, goes in and looks at the... Uh, situation. John, um, for whatever reason, he waited outside, but as soon as, as Peter came back with this news concerning Christ, this, ev this evidential information, uh, John wants to go and see for himself, and so he goes in and he looks. And it says that John believed. Now, what did he believe? Did he believe that Jesus was resurrected? Did he believe that, that um, uh, the body of Jesus was stolen? What does he believe? Well, there, I suppose there could be a few suppositions here as to exactly what this means. We might immediately say, well, he probably believes that Jesus was resurrected. That's what we probably would say. And that may be, that is what the intent is, that the Holy Spirit left that there. And he saw and believed. And, but then it says in verse 9, for as yet they knew not the scripture 
that he must rise again from the dead. Now, why didn't they know it? Why didn't they know um, that Jesus would rise again? Well, they, they did not understand yet fully. They did not understand yet fully. A few passages of scripture in the Old Testament, it says this in the Psalm 16, 10 through 11, And thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. In Psalm 110, verse 1 and verse 4, says, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord has shown, sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Uh, these, these scriptures we know now refer to Christ. We know them because other scriptures have become um, evident to us. We have the light of other scriptures. In the progressive revelation of God, other scriptures have been revealed to us. And so we know that. Well, remember, the disciples at this time had not had anything other than the Old Testament given to them beside what Jesus said himself. And, and uh, as far as they were concerned, it was like looking through a glass darkly. They had not yet fully seen all things, understood all things. And so it's very possible John did say in his own heart and believe in his own heart, Jesus must be risen. It's very possible. Uh, for the fact that uh, the disciples did not yet fully understand, it should not be too surprising to us. There are many things as we become saved, as we come to faith in Christ, that we do not know until years later. God the Holy Spirit has to minister those thing to, things to us. Uh, we even sang the hymn there, the, this afternoon the Comforter has come. And we know that's all referring to the fact that the Spirit of God now come to the believer uh, because of the, the uh, revelation of God by the Holy Spirit to our own hearts, John chapter 3, as well as Acts chapter 1 and 2, we find that the Holy Spirit came down and revealed uh, himself to the believers there at Pentecost. And we have the Spirit of God within us now to... To, uh, that we might receive much of what God has intended for us to know and to learn. Um, but yet I would say right now, I do not know everything. All things, uh, there are some things yet not revealed to me. But the Spirit of God is yet at work. And what would they be? Well... Um, there's a, a, a number of different books in the Bible that have some very interesting facts that people still are quite wondering about. Uh, whether it be the book of Genesis and all of the accounts that take place in the very early chapters, or whether it be the other end of the book in the book of Revelation with all those accounts that have not yet been fulfilled. So if you think you really do know it all yet, you might want to reconsider. 
Isaiah 53, verse 11 and 12. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Made intercession for the transgressors, victory over sin and death. This is what the resurrection, death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ is all about. He has made intercession for the transgressors through his own blood upon the cross. Like a priest who intercedes on the behalf of the person who brings the offering in the Old Testament, the priest intercedes by taking the offering and offering as that should be offered upon, upon the altar in the Old Testament. And the, uh, the priest acts as an intercessor for the, the person who has come. Jesus Christ is our intercessor. He has acted on our behalf. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. He is the great Melchizedek, our great high priest, our eternal high priest, that came to become our intercessor. And so how wonderful when we stop and, uh, and think about this. So Jesus' appearance to Mary was significant, of course. And as we uh, read on yet a bit more here, verse 9, For as yet they knew not that the scripture, that he must, be, that he must rise again from the dead, they had not yet fully come to that full understanding of that. For as yet they knew not, Verse 10, then the disciples went away again unto their own home. Well, it takes a little while to, to process some things, doesn't it? Uh, you come to church, you, you sit under the preaching of the pastor, uh, you go to a Bible study, you go through an hour of, of uh, studying the scripture. Uh, you may have a serious time of Bible study at home. And then you begin to reflect upon what has taken place, what you have learned, what you have heard, what you have considered. And uh, you begin to um, ruminate, as it were, upon those things, looking for the Holy Spirit to teach you more of what you have heard and seen. And so did the disciples. No doubt they went back to their, their places where they were um, hiding out, so to speak. Um, and they probably talked about the things that they had saw. Uh, Mary Magdalene uh, came, Peter came, John came. And now, as the opportunity avails itself, they are able to go back and to share these things with one another. Uh, and... Uh, the, so this resurrection uh, was a catalyst for change in the thinking of the disciples. And um, 
And then we, we find that the last portion here covers more or less the rest of the section we're going to be looking at here. Mary meets the risen Lord. Mary meets the risen Lord. Now as we look at verse 11, um, but Mary, and this is the same Mary, stood outside the sepulcher weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. Now Peter has gone in, John has gone in, um, Mary is uh, perhaps reluctantly, um, maybe she did peek in, but it doesn't say. Uh, and so we find that she's emotionally distraught over the situation, as normally anybody would be. And, um, and she is beginning to wonder uh, about all these things. And she, she's crying, and she's weeping outside, and she stoops down. She looks into the sepulcher, and she sees two angels in white sitting, at one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And I find it interesting that these angels don't appear to Peter and John. Uh, you know, it's kind of like the, the, the men, you know, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. Just give me the facts. You know, they, they find out something and uh, they think that's all there is to know. They, they've observed something. And, but women are much more emotionally attached and think through things. They're more, um, well, as my wife says, a woman, a woman has many rivers running together. A lot of tributaries are running into the, the woman's emotional psyche. You know, men, they just, you know, we just go down a country road. Just, just, uh, we just walk down the country road. And the women, they have all these things, you know, that are impacting them in their lives. And uh, it's interesting we find that here, uh, Mary, she has, a, um, she has the witnesses of two angels that come to her. Uh, I was watching, I was watching, uh, couple of sermons this morning online, uh, actually it was um, on, on the Newsmax app, and um, I watched uh, Greg Laurie's message, and then I started watching Jack Hibbs, uh, the New Life Ministries, and he was running through some things there uh, on his message as well. And one of them was angels, and he was telling about angels and, and this, that, and uh, how that they relate, and their messengers, and, and so forth and so on. But anyway, the point being, um, these angels, these ministering spirits sent forth to minister, they come to, to come to Mary. She sees two angels in white sitting the one at the head and the other at the feet. So here's the, the kind of the platform where, Ju where Jesus was laid down, the linen clothes, the napkin. There's an angel on this end. There is an angel on that end where the body of Jesus laid. And Mary, looks, uh, as she looks in there, she sees these, these angels. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, it's like saying, well, what, what are you upset about? You know, probably every husband in here has asked their wife that once in a while. Might have said, have said to your wife, what are you upset about? You know, perhaps you, she, she's a, your wife is a little bit um, weepy or for something or, or emotionally charged about something. And, and you say, what are you upset about? 
and well, these angels are asking, they see her quite uh, uh, upset, emotionally distraught about this whole thing, and they ask that, what are you upsetting about? And uh, she saith unto them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. She doesn't seem all that amazed that these angels are talking to her. Maybe she doesn't even realize it, perhaps, at that moment. And she just comes out with what is what she's thinking about at the moment. But uh, she knows, uh, I suppose she knows they are angels. And, and uh, so she, she makes this comment to them. And when she had thus said... She turned back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. So she's talking to the angels one minute and they, they said, what are you upset about? And she said, they've taken my Lord away. I don't know where he is. She turns around in the other direction and here's somebody standing and she doesn't even know it's Jesus. She doesn't even know it's Jesus until Jesus speaks to her. It, I find this also very intriguing. Um, we don't come to faith until Jesus speaks to us. Mary doesn't recognize who Jesus is until Jesus speaks to her. And so we find that in every way, we find God always initiates the work of faith in our own hearts. In our own heart. And for Mary, who is so closely connected to Jesus, she, she doesn't recognize Jesus, and knew not that it was Jesus. But in verse 15, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? He also asked the same question. Why are you so emotionally uh, distraught, Mary? Why are you so emotionally distraught? Whom seekest thou? Who are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him from here, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. And then, and then she still doesn't know. Jesus saith unto her, Mary, she turned him herself, and saith unto him, Rabboni. She just immediately knows it's him. Uh, there's something deeply theological in these statements when we stop and think about it. That we just do not understand or really under, get any true enlightenment without Jesus speaking directly to us. Here, here is, as far as evidential in, information, as far as the apologetics of, of uh, life and evidence are concerned, Nothing was suitable yet for these, whether, the, whether it's Peter or John or Mary, nothing was suitably evidential in the apologetics of circumstances for them to know a lot. They were more fearful from the apologetics of circumstances. But it wasn't until Jesus, Jesus spoke the word to her that she knew it was the Master. That she knew it. Before you came to Christ, uh, I wonder how many times you read in the Bible verses of Scripture. Before you came to Jesus, I wonder how many times you, you might have heard the Gospel and didn't know the full impact of the Gospel. 
Before you came to Jesus, how many times did somebody witness to you and, and still you didn't catch on to what the true message was that was hopefully communicated to you? What is it that came to your heart first but Jesus speaking to you? The Holy Spirit had to speak to you. God had to open your heart. He had to minister to you. And, and so here we find that Jesus speaks to Mary, speaks her name. She turns and immediately she calls him master or teacher. Which is to say master, Rabboni. Jesus saith unto her, touch me not. Immediately he, he knows that she knows. <laughs> Jesus knows that she knows. You know, when, when Jesus speaks to us, God knows that we know. <laughs> Jesus knows that we know. Once we have truly been spoken to, it's kind of like you can't take it back. It's like the first time you heard the message of Christ and believed, there was no going back, was there? You heard it and you said, a light came on, the light of the glorious gospel of Christ shined unto you, and, and you just knew what you knew that God was saying to you. And so did Mary, and so did Jesus. Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend up to my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. So she... Um, Jesus gives Mary something to say to the disciples. And that something was, well, I have not yet ascended, but he says, go, go to the brethren and tell them, I'm going to ascend to my father and to your father, my father who is in heaven, your father, and to my God and to your God, go and tell them that. Because actually, you know, that becomes the pinnacle point of the whole gospel message, doesn't it? The death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension. Because after the ascension, the day of Pentecost takes place, and the Spirit of God descends. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord, and that he had spoken these things unto her. We'll have to leave it right there for now. But we find that this message is so important. We need to glean everything we can get out of it. But I'll close by saying this. Pastor Bo is going to be speaking to you about apologetics. But evidential apologetics is not enough. There must be... There must be the revelation of God to man that otherwise man would not know unless God give it. In other words, the best, the best apologetic is the word of God. There are evidential aspects to apologetics. There are, in fact, archaeologists are finding evidential apologetics all, all the time to support the 
the historical and the traditional uh, viewpoints of the Bible. They're being discovered a lot um, in archaeology. Those, but those are evidential. If you could find a whale that would swallow a man, you, you could probably say, oh, I believe in the book of Jonah now. But, you see, a, evidential apologetics isn't enough. We must have... We must have the revelation that God gives to us. And that revelation is the word of God. And even if you do not have the evidential part of apologetics, the revelation is enough to believe and to know that God is true and that his word is true and that salvation is exactly what God says it is. And that you cannot be saved by evidences. You must be saved by the revelation of God to man. Which is in effect the logos, the divine logos, the spirit, Jesus himself. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. We must have, we must have the true Evidence of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God must save and does save through Jesus Christ our Lord. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for your word to us. Ask for your blessing upon your word. In Jesus' name, amen.